Hello, and welcome back to the Quavio Data Science Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, I hope you enjoy your stay. I'm your host, Michael. And I'm your host, Zach. A quick exercise for everyone listening to this podcast. I'd like you to think back to the last time you had to explain something you were working on to someone who isn't familiar with your work. Maybe a friend, maybe a family member, maybe a stranger you met at a professional event. Whoever it is, I'd like you to think back on that conversation Feel free to pause the episode if you need. I'd like you to really hold the conversation in your mind's eye for a second. Okay, now that we're all back, I have a couple questions for you. How well do you think that person followed you? How easy was it to give that advice? How easy was it to give that explanation? If you're anything like me, I'm guessing the answers are something in the neighborhood of not quite as well as I'd hoped and not quite as easy as I would have liked. That's far from a unique feeling. Explaining data science, explaining science, honestly explaining any technical work at all is a distinct skill all by itself, and it's one that people don't always get opportunities to practice. This episode, we're going to talk about an event that Clavio R&D put together that gave people exactly that opportunity, the Clavio R&D Science Fair, and what we learned from it. To help us with that discussion, we've brought on two people who were heavily involved in the planning of the event alongside myself and two who presented at it. Let's go ahead and start with introductions. For each of you, could you give a quick introduction of yourself, the team that you're on, and what you do at Quavio? Let's go ahead and start with Achu. Hey everyone, my name is Achu. I'm a software engineer too on the reporting team. I guess actually for the introductions, we should probably also explain what you did with this event. So if you don't mind adding that in as well, Achu. Yeah, hey everyone, my name is Achu. I'm a software engineer too on the reporting team, and I was one of the organizers for this event. Fantastic. Jessica, you're up next. Hi, I'm Jess Bretz. I am Senior Executive Business Partner here at Clavio. I support the R&D functions. And for this event, I took it from the idea of wanting to do it from the R&D leads to making it happen with the right people. Excellent. Next up, Maya. Hey, all. I'm Maya Negrin. I'm a senior software engineer on the audience growth team at Clavio, And I presented a recent audience growth project called Form Alerts kind of the past, present, and future of it at the science fair. Fantastic. And Jason. Hi, I'm Jason Grant, design manager, uh, leading the design systems team. At the event, we showed two boards. One was for the component library and one was for the design system. And both of them kind of captured what we have accomplished in the last 18 months at Calabio. Fantastic. I believe all of you, this is your first time on the podcast. Yeah, welcome. It's it's fantastic to have you. Love hearing from all of these new voices. Thank you for being on the show today. I guess I, I should probably give a quick note. So I'm going to be acting a little bit more as a guest this episode than a host. I, I was also heavily involved in the planning of this event. So I'm going to hand things over to Zach after one last note. Our fearless co-host Zach was at this event. He went around on the day of the event with a microphone, talked to some participants, some organizers, some audience members. You're going to hear some of those clips sprinkled throughout the episode as you listen. So when the audio shifts, that's just that's what's happening there. You're actually hearing from people on the day of. Hello and welcome to the Clavio Data Science Podcast. Could you tell us who you are, what do you do here and what you're presenting on today? Sure. I'm John Darby. I work on the Chaos marketing team and we own the public facing marketing site and the front end for Clavio's Help Center. I'm our technical product owner and a senior engineer. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're presenting on? You have a great looking poster board here. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, we're presenting on our architecture to make those properties possible. So like I mentioned, the marketing site for Clavio and the Help Center, they both use Gatsby and a static site generation approach. In the case of the marketing site, we have a WordPress content management system where our authors and contributors go and make content updates. And we ingest all of those updates and combine that with code that lives in our GitHub repository. And what comes out the other end is a collection of static assets like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript that make up the Clavio marketing website and are exposed to the public. In the case of the Help Center, the backend is Zendesk and content contributors make their updates in Zendesk. We ingest those using Zendesk's API into an internal system with our own database, combine it with some of our own data, and expose a GraphQL API 
that we then query with Gatsby and do the same thing, run it through a static site generation process, outcome static assets, and lead to the front end you can see at help.clavio.com. You know, I, I know that we recently redid our website. We're expanding into other countries and other languages. Have you been a part of any of these projects? Part of all of them, actually. So I, the Chaos marketing team has been responsible for the marketing site when it lived as a legacy WordPress site and now a static site generated with Gatsby. The rebuilt site is what you see today at www.clavio.com. We are expanding internationally. The UK site is built using the same technology. So we did some work earlier in the year to convert to a monorepo architecture, which allowed us to modularize effectively all of our code. And it makes deploying a new site, a new international site, extremely easy. I don't want to say just how easy, but it's very easy. <laughs> the early investments we made in the monorepo and this architecture paid dividends and allowed us to easily expand into the UK and soon beyond. How has this event been so far? What's the coolest question that you've been asked? Yeah, the event has been great. It's been fun to see everyone in person. I'm remote and a lot of my colleagues are also remote. So being in the office is always exciting and putting names to faces. The most interesting question so far, I think it was why we chose WordPress, because it's a good question. It seems like in this sort of decoupled architecture, WordPress might not be a natural choice. And we chose it for a few reasons. One was our content contributors were already familiar with the editing experience within WordPress. So no retraining required, and that would have been a substantial investment. Another reason is the flexibility. So WordPress has a very robust plugin ecosystem. We have existing expertise on the team, managing WordPress sites, writing PHP, sort of developing plugins, themes, all of the things you need to customize WordPress installation. But critically, there are plugins in the WordPress ecosystem that allow a WordPress site to expose a GraphQL API. And being able to use GraphQL across the board for all of our properties has been incredible, to say the least. So, yeah. Thank you very much, John. Good luck with the rest of the event. And thanks for sharing with me. I'll go ahead and hand it over to Zach now. So let's start with the basics. You told us the name of the event. But what exactly was the Clavio R&D Science Fair? I can start off here. It's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's it's a science fair. The goal of it very much was we don't want this to act like other events where you have a bunch of people presenting to a central stream one after another. This very much was we wanted an event where people could walk around, could see different pieces of work. And, and really, we wanted people to be able to present work that they had done to people who aren't familiar with it in an interesting way. When I say science fair, it really was in conception like what you're thinking of back from middle and high school. So the idea was like to maybe look at how we're spending the money and looking at ideas for how we can maybe make this more efficient, especially for areas that maybe our needs have changed over time. So partnering with Chris <laughs> in platform engineering. <laughs> All right. So the outcome of this was a very long stats RFC. No one wants to read. It's 60 plus pages. But the kind of the core points of this are five ideas. Number one, what we're calling forecasted auto scaling, which we'll go into detail for. Number two, hardware optimization on clusters that have maybe the wrong instance type right now. And number five, the spicy point is like, maybe we should hire a bit more for some of this work because it's really valuable. All right. So number one, when we talk about forecasted auto scaling. So as you might imagine, we send way fewer emails at 3 a.m. than we do at 5 p.m. And this is really important because our demand on our clusters is really seasonal. Number two, so some of our clusters over time, people leave, our needs change, are maybe not well optimized. So this is an example cluster, this unnamed one. Two thirds of that is always free. They max out at around 8% CPU utilization. So this is an area where we're working with cluster owners. This one, we're doing this this quarter. We're testing on a specific cluster and seeing how that works. This one, we've reached out to the cluster owner teams and kind of talking back and forth about whether it makes sense because they need to do their own feasibility studies. This one, we created an executive summary and we're preparing a document to send to executive folks to hopefully get them to push because we cannot push on this, I think. This one, Chris is in control of this one and it, Chris, I think, is supportive of this in general. So I think we're able to make some progress on this. So why did you decide to hold the Clavio R&D Science Fair? 
Yeah, I'm happy to answer this one. Initially, we wanted to follow up on the success of a smaller science fair event within data science by doing a second iteration of the event. Although it was initially scoped to just include data science, leadership and communications suggested expanding the event presenters to include all of R&D and for the target audience to be all Clavios. So although this was ambitious, we believe that this would be the best way to like maximize visibility and understanding of the work that R&D was accomplishing. Yeah, it was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. We were kind of in the planning process talking about, okay, we're going to have this data science event. Let's get a room that's large enough to fit all the people from data science in it. And then just contacted us and say, hey, why not do this for people outside of just data science? Why not do this for the rest of engineering? Why not do this for the rest of the company? And, oh, right, we should do that. <laughs> was kind of I how can... I thought about it. Michael, you're being kind. I kind of swooped in after the R&D leads heard about it and said, we should do this on the full level. And I said, can I please steal? your time and your planning process and everything you've already done. Can I copy paste what you've made successful and do it on a larger scale? Do you think that's possible? And you and Achu both said, yes, we can do it. I think there's a reason science fairs work in school. They are immersive and they're engaging and they explain things in a way that not everyone can understand not having a background. And I think professionals are no different. We're tired of sitting on Zoom. We're tired of sitting in those stale rooms, looking at slide decks, and people wanted to be engaged. And I think this was a really great way to share, to celebrate all the work that R&D is doing, but also teach people at the same time. So it was truly, the energy there was incredible. That celebration was a really big part of it for me, that I wanted people to be able to show off work that they were proud of, work that they had put a lot of effort into, and rightly so. That a big part of it for me was definitely just giving people the ability to, in a format that's a little different, we have celebrations of wins at the roadmap update meetings, things along those lines. But there's a big difference between taking up half of a slide for a couple minutes and being able to actually walk someone through a feature that you built for seven minutes and answer any questions they have on it. Okay, and we are here with Annika. Annika, could you remind us what you do here at Clavio and tell us a little bit about what you're presenting today? Yes, I'm a data scientist embedded onto the onboarding team, and I'll be presenting on personalized welcome series flows. Cool. Tell us a little bit more about the personalized welcome series flows. Sure. So when a new user signs up, one of the first things they're going to want to do is set up a welcome series email flow. And right now, our templates are just defaulted to generic text, and this is going to take a lot of editing time for the user to get it to a place where they're going to actually want to send it. So we want to do a better job of creating smarter default templates that are shown. So first, we're extracting brand information from the website. So what brand voice are they using? How are they writing things? A little bit about the company and their backstory. And then we're using that to generate email copy for six different pre-selected templates that a user would include in their flow. For example, bestsellers and like a welcome series with a coupon. I see on here a few different examples. One thing that I see is a non-English site. So does this project cover non-English websites in its scope? Yes. So we can detect what language a site's in, and then we can prompt to write the welcome series email in that language. How has the event been so far for you today? Has the reception to this really cool project been? It's been great. It's been really neat to show kind of mid-project work to Clavio as a whole and get people's feedback and thoughts. What's the coolest question or most insightful question that you've gotten today? I think there was a lot of interesting discussions about other future directions we could take this. So building out the actual structure of the flow for the user based on what we know about them in addition to the content. I thought that was pretty interesting to hear about something we hadn't really thought about before. Yeah, one of the benefits of being in person and, and holding an event like this, obviously, is that you get to kind of bounce ideas off of people who you might not otherwise see on Zoom yeah, I'm actually very excited. We're connecting with a few other teams that we hadn't been before from content and marketing to get more feedback and try to make this a better experience for users interacting with this generated content. Jumping off that too, I feel like oftentimes at those like the roadmap meetings or, or other places where you're demoing to a larger audience or people that aren't directly aware of your work, Sometimes it may not even be you doing that demo, right? Like it might be like you help put together the slide, but then like the PM or or the person that runs your department or somebody else, whoever's available, is actually talking through that. And so you don't 
not only do you not really have time or space to delve into any of the details or like custom tailor what you're talking about to what the interests are of the person that is asking the questions, but also like you get to talk about your work, which as an engineer is really, <laughs> it's nice to have that opportunity. I think I'd want to double down on what Maya was just saying too, is that a lot of people on my team don't get the opportunity to present. And so we were rotating through who was presenting the whole time. And, you know, a lot of people got to practice those skills that they don't typically get to do on a day-by-day basis. Yeah. And I, I think that's great because there are other opportunities like that. You can go to a professional conference and present there, but it's rare that you get an opportunity to do something like that where you have a friendly audience. People don't go out of their way to be unfriendly at professional conferences, but Questions definitely can come off as high stakes as in the worst cases, someone can ask a question in a way that seems confrontational. You get a lot less of that in an event like this. So it's it's really a, a friendlier way and, and a safer way to practice a lot of those skills, I think. And conferences also tend to have exclusively technical audiences, right? Part of, I think, what's great about, I think, what Jess and, and Michael were talking about before with opening it up to having all Clavios welcome, you got to talk with not just people with strong technical backgrounds that are asking technical questions, but also like leaders in product that are asking more user flow focused questions and people that are CSMs that are like interested about how this affects the people that they work with on a daily basis. And having a diverse audience definitely, I think, added both to like the experience from a presenter side and also hopefully to the people walking around. I think the synchronous science fair presentation style created kind of like a positive feedback loop where the more foot traffic and the more chatter that we were generating in the area just attracted more foot traffic and chatter. And I think that was like one of the main reasons why we wanted to hold a science fair event, particularly in a week as populated as Hub Week, where we have all of our remote based employees coming into the Boston office and getting to see what each other are doing. What is like a characteristic difference between a transactional message and a promotional message? What would an example of each one of those be? Transactional messages specifically relate to a purchase or some sort of interaction with a brand. A common example would be your order is out for delivery or here's your tracking ID, something like that. Whereas promotional are often like, here's some new products. Here's a coupon code. We have a sale going on. That sort of thing. How is this model going to end up being used directly in production? Right. So in production, we want to make sure that our users are able to request that their messages be labeled transactional automatically. We don't want to have a person go in every single time and manually label them. And so this is going to make it so that it's a self-serve feature, automated, and allow us to scale. All right. Thank you, Tristan. Great presentation. And I appreciated all the Arrested Development GIFs on your slides. So <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. And that gets at one of the other important reasons. And this genuinely was, a. I know that this answer is going to sound a little tongue in cheek, but genuinely, this was a very important part of the event to me. I wanted it to be fun. I wanted this to be a, an event where people could just walk around, enjoy learning about new things, enjoy talking about stuff that they'd worked on with other people. And I think that Having it in this format where like, we're not just asking people, okay, get up there and give some slides. We're saying like, if you want to, you can physically put together a poster board, like bring yourself back to that mindset, do some creative physical design, you know, actually tape some things onto onto a piece of cardboard that adds to the fun of it for me. You're so spot on both. I was so shocked from an event planning perspective, how many people wanted to do the poster board. We are here for glue, scissors, like sparkle glitter, give it to me. And I think it was a team building activity and then presenting it, people walking around and seeing what they did with their boards was amazing. But I also think, you know, you haven't seen this feedback, Michael. It wasn't just the energy in the room from the presenters, the feedback from the survey that we sent out post, you know, this week of events, this was far and away the most highly reviewed event that we had. People found it valuable from both the presentation and being their side. Like no one had anything constructive. You should change this to say about this event. It was all so positive. So that fun was felt by everyone. Yeah. From the presenter side, I can definitely validate what just said. Like it was, my team was so excited about like 
building the poster board. And even after the event, we took our poster board and we brought it up to like the conference room where we always hang out as a team and it's still there. Like, I, mean, I went back into the office yesterday and I walked into the room and the poster board is hanging out. It's like, this is our space. Look at our poster, <laughs> which was excellent. And like also in the in the fun dimension, we were brainstorming other ways to kind of make our presentation like engaging and fun. And we decided to put together actually like a little game that people could play when they came to check out our board, where we set up a laptop with the previous experience right before we rolled out this new feature. And we told people, try to find all of the accessibility problems in this form, right? Like just go through it and see if you can find all of them without using the tool that we built. And it was kind of both a fun way for people to like, people show up and they're not sure what question to ask. And we're like, here, play this game, like see if you can figure it out. And then when they're like, oh my God, like that one was impossible. I don't know how you expected me to find that. That's when we can be like, exactly. And that's why we needed this feature. And then we we launch into the like, this is, this is exactly the problem that we're trying to solve. And it both, I think was like, a really fun game for people to play. We gave candy to people that like found, you know, above a certain number of problems in the form. And I think people really enjoyed that. But also it was like such an engaging way to kind of show exactly why we wanted to build the feature and why we rolled it out in the first place. Tell me about what you're presenting. I'd love to, you got a beautiful looking poster board here and I want to hear all about it. One of our most highly requested features from our upmarket customers was the ability to show discount prices. So say you have a Shopify store, an item is $20 and it's now discounted $10. The previous state of the art was that our emails would only show the $10 price. It wouldn't give the customer the notion of the price being reduced or a strikethrough price being shown in the emails. This was requested back in 2021 after BFCM, and we were able to deliver this feature in time for this year's BFCM. So we hope that a lot of customers are happy with it. Once we do get back to it, we'd like to expand this discount pricing to include such things as filtering on discount prices and other integrations like Magento or Magento 2. So uh, exciting things down the pipeline coming for discount prices if everything goes well. Thank you very much. And how has this event been for you both so far? I was so happy with how this turned out, seeing so many faces here. An hour in, I think I'm losing my voice already, so... It's packed here. Like, I, I hope that the mic is picking up some of the background noise because it's just, it's riotous in here. There are a lot of people here. It's, a, it's been a really great turnout. Yeah. I am very disappointed that I missed your presentation. You had a poster board, you had a game, there's candy involved. I don't know how I missed that, but it, but it sounds like a really great time. Thank so, you. Yeah, I'm glad you missed it too. <laughs> <laughs> so what actually goes into planning an event like this? Yep. Happy to start here. So initially we want to probe interest for the event. So we started out by sending kind of like a testing form just to see what kind of reaction we would have if people would, would want to present at an event like this. And the results of that were very positive. We saw that people were interested in presenting on an event. We didn't make them choose a topic initially. We just wanted like a team name and a point of contact and after you know some advertising in various meetings like engineering all hands pillar specific meetings some team specific meetings we were able to get a list of i think i believe 16 presenters for this event which was really good once we had those numbers uh it became time to decide all right what physical space do we actually want to host this event in and there we had to weigh in like the pros and cons of some spaces. So for example, if you have it in a room, you might be able to fit a lot of people, but it's kind of closed off. It doesn't have as much of a fluidity to it. And that's where we settled on the atrium area, which is one of our largest open areas in the office, very central, a lot of foot traffic there. So that was what kind of went into planning the event from a logistics standpoint. Yeah, and a lot of that was just working with our office team to figure out this space. Like I completely transparently, I didn't think that it was ever going to be in the cards that we could get a space like the atrium. That was I was like, well, you know, it would be super cool if we could get a place like that, but there's no way they'd let us. But sure enough, that's where it ended up being. Like the advertising part that you brought up, that really was a big part of it. There were kind of two sides of that. Obviously, we had to kind of advertise the event to people that we wanted to present at the event, both so like, you know talking to engineering and data science teams and design teams and saying like, hey, this is an event that's out there. We'd like you to present at it. Sometimes working through leadership to, you know, hey, can you remind your teams so it's coming from a different lens than just us reminding people 
but then also like advertising the event to everyone that we wanted to show up and enjoy the event. Both of those were crucial because without both sides of that, this couldn't have been a successful event. Michael, to your point of thinking we weren't going to get the atrium, event planning is a large part of my administrative work here at Clavio. And I've learned really quickly coming on board, ask for the stars and then backtrack if you can't get them. And I mean, our office ops team and our office was really built for this type of engagement. And <laughs> the more I do it, the more I ask for and the more flexible they become. And I'm I'm just consistently impressed by it. But I think to add on to ask you all of your event planning, I think important for me from a project management representing the R&D leads standpoint, I needed to identify the key stakeholders versus event planners versus showrunners. So who's giving the sign off, who's driving the work, and who's actually on the ground the day of the event. So we don't end up looking like that Spider-Man meme at the end of it going, well, I thought you were doing that. Well, no, that was, that was on you. And then there's someone, which was me, I think, keeping all three on track and just doing occasional check-ins and saying, we probably don't need a full meeting for this, but can everyone just give me the thumbs up that you're spinning your plate and it's still in the air, this team. I think I consistently said it in the Slack, like dream team. Everyone held their responsibility and their plate up in the air so well. Yeah, an important part of the event, obviously, physical space, that means we do need to actually work with IT to like have physical equipment. They were very easy to work with. We kind of identified, here's the ask for like what we'd like. We'd like monitors for people to present from if they actually do have slides. So it's a little more engaging and active. And again, definite props to that team as well was very easy to work with them. We ended up with a great setup at the end. We are here with Alan. Alan, I believe that this is your first time on our podcast. Would you mind telling us what you do here at Clavio? Yeah, my name is Alan Chavez. I run the engineering team here at Clavio. Alan is our CTO. It's great to have you here. Alan, how has this event been going for you so far? Oh, it's been fantastic. It's a great reminder of all the great stuff that we are doing. I mean, I'm blown away by the amount of cool stuff that we are doing here today. Yeah, it's been such a variety of interesting projects, too. I feel like it's amazing that this is one company's worth of like R&D work, honestly. Do you have any favorite presentations that you've seen? It's hard to pick a, a favorite child. So it's so many. So there's great stuff on generative AI. I think the website of work that was done is fantastic. Data Dictionary is one favorite. So I could go on and on and on. To your point, right, it's so diverse and so interesting that the same company is doing all of this at the same time, right? Yeah. Is there anything that, you know, the coolest thing that you've learned here today? Oh, that's a hard one. Other than we are a fantastic company that is doing great stuff across the board. No, I can't call one thing because I would be unfair to the others. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's so much that goes into planning an event like this, but you all did a really great job. It felt like you had just showed up and everyone spontaneously was there with posters. And it just, you know, it's like an effortless, spontaneous event. So really good job to all of you for planning and making it seem so easy. That definitely takes a lot of work. That particular piece was partially because just put a meeting on the calendar. Hey, everyone, get there 30 minutes early. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is always a good way to make sure that people have, have their stuff together. So there are a lot of moving pieces for this. Were there any surprises that came up during the planning process? I think the biggest one for me was how many different iterations of the map we had to put together. Achu put together the first iteration and then went out on some very well-deserved PTO in the couple of days leading up to the event. So I had what I was like, all right, we've got the final map here. We won't have to make any changes to this. A team drops out. Okay, well, I guess we're going to move. Another team wants to join in the last minute. Well, I guess I can swap them in. Another team wants to join in the last minute. Hmm. Well, we have this backup table. Another team says that they need to be close to another team because they are presenting closely related work. Okay, well, I can make these swap. Just there were a ton of teeny little iterations. And then also, okay, IT says that the monitor actually has to be here rather than here. So we need to swap this team around, which means we need to swap these teams around. I posted probably four or five different versions of the map that I told the channel were final. And then the one at the end ended up actually not being final because there was more room in the large atrium space than we thought. So we had an extra team there. So it was a mess. <laughs> I think you handled that beautifully. That's what I experienced with every, that is just a, event planning. You were planning a wedding basically. And people were, you know, saying my kid's sick, I can't come. And so you were changing the tablescapes and 
I think with big events like this, especially, you just have to be prepared for things to not go the way you thought they were going to. And that map was just one really great example of it. But you were flexible and everyone was really cool about telling us what they needed and why they needed it. So, and in the end, did we hand out the maps? I can't even remember. What we had them happening. on the tables. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One thing that was a pleasant surprise for me was how willing people were to make poster boards. I didn't anticipate this going into planning this event. My initial thought were people was that people would be more inclined to just, you know, create like a slide deck on a laptop and present that a la the style of classic remote presentations that people have gotten all too accustomed to. The fact that so many people are asking questions about poster boards and like, how should we structure them? What should we do? How do we expense them? I think it was a good call on our part to just end up purchasing the poster board so that anyone that would want to make one would make one. And I think that kind of had the knock-on effect of one team would see another team making a poster board, so they would feel like inclined to make a poster board. And the fact that it was already there, along with the supplies to make them, I think really helped contribute to like the look and feel of the event. And I think this was alluded to earlier, but the team building aspect of it as well, super valuable. I think that was the biggest surprise for me too. But in hindsight, we should have known that people were into it because the number of inquiries that we got about building volcanoes, we should have known this was going to be a tactile hands-on event that people were into it. But I'm glad that actually you actually had the idea of buying all the boards for as many teams as we would have and you know get those supplies there. So props to you for seeing that far ahead. If I can add in something that actually isn't a surprise, I think something that I was not surprised to see was just how good the prep was by the teams. The teams that presented had their stuff together. They had exactly what they were going to present on. We had it well in advance to kind of, I wasn't there looking at it like, oh, I'm going to suggest edits to your poster board. Mostly just like for my sanity, kind of know that you've put some thought into it. And what I saw was instead of just like, oh, okay, like an outline of bullet points, teams had their poster board fully made and they uploaded photos of it and stuff like that. Like teams had their stuff together. They knew the story they were going to tell and they had it together well in advance. And again, that was not a surprise to me. That's kind of just how I expect things to be here at Clavio. And they knocked it out of the park. Michael, how has the science fair been for you so far? I'm going around representing the remote viewers. So I'm kind of going around telling people, hey, it's your turn to present to the webinar. And I'm running out of people who have slides that they're presenting. Things are going to get real weird when I have to get the poster boards onto Zoom. (laughs) Do you have a strategy in mind for this? Or are you just going to do it live? Or My strategy is figure out something as I walk up to the first one. Okay. Well, that sounds very exciting. I'll check back in with you later to see how that, see how that goes. It's a little early in the, in the day to be running out, of, running out of slides. Trust me, I know. All right. Good luck. You have uh, another hour and a half of this. <laughs> so... Obviously, planning has to happen, not just for the people organizing the event as a whole, but also for those who are giving the actual presentations. The next few questions are mainly aimed at those who presented at the science fair. So let's start with the basics. How did you decide what you were going to present? I can take that one first. For our teams, like a lot of people still have questions of what is the design system? What is the component library? How do they work together? And so we wanted ours to really to be informative and also to kind of showcase a little bit of what has been done and then what our future plans are. You know, we kind of see the design system as like we're still in kind of a teenager years of like getting through. We got past the infancy, the toddler part, and now we're like getting into that teenager angst. And so, you know, we really wanted to showcase that. And so, like you said, a lot of preparation still had to go into what we were doing as well. So we discussed amongst the team, we created the boards, and then I also created a cheat sheet for each of them, kind of like the talking points. And then both of the managers did the first presentation, like the first time slot. And then we handed it off to the rest of the team so they could see how we kind of presented it. And then they had the little cheat sheet in front of them to kind of, if they got stuck on anything, they could look down and see a talking point. Yeah. So my team, during one of our team meetings, we all sat together and we're like, okay, like, what do we think would be good to highlight? We kind of all knew that we wanted to be involved, but there was a question about like, what project in particular we wanted to talk about, especially because my team tends to work on a lot of things in parallel. Ultimately, we decided on showcasing the formal arts project, partially because there's been kind of that project right now, or like the version of it that we just released 
is really the culmination of like a couple of different features that we've released over the past year and really just something that we've been thinking about for a long time on the audience growth team. So not only did we get to kind of present the form alerts feature, which is something that I built, but also as part of that, we got to talk about the accessibility assistant, which Chaz built and Catherine helped resolving some of the accessibility issues. And we had to talk about all of these alerts or warnings that have been added into the product while building out other features, you know, things that other engineers on our team worked on. And so like, not only was it a project that highlighted a lot of different people's works, but we kind of got to speak to, I think, problems that exist, not just in forms at Clavio. We, you know, we're like, hey, like we literally had a customer call this morning where somebody was like, hey, I think modals are like less than ideal and you guys have it everywhere in Clavio. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to fix here. And so we got to like speak to problems that I think are widespread. We got to speak to how many different engineers on our team then tackled those problems. And we also got to kind of show the way that engineering can kind of address things in an incremental way, right? So we're like, here's how it was like two years ago. And then here's this fix that we did like six months ago that took us here. And then here's another improvement that we did that took us here. And now here's the feature that we're rolling out that's going to take us all the way to here. And then here's where we think it can go in the future. And like, maybe we built this in a way that's generic. So maybe like you on your team, if you think that this is interesting, you could add this to your part of the product. And, And just like all of these different aspects of, engineering and product and the way the development happens at Clavio, I think, got to be highlighted by talking about this particular project. And so once we settled on that, we kind of like split up. We got all the people with free time together and we wrote a big list of everything that we wanted. We gave like action items to everybody. And some of them were just grab this picture and put it in the slide deck. And other ones were like, write out, you know, the things that we want to put on the slides. My job was like throw together the little example form that we're going to use for the game. And then we kind of just talk through who would be presenting and, and how we wanted to handle that. And once we kind of had it all figured out, then it was just a matter of showing up and making it happen. How has this impacted data scientists? Now, so earlier, what happened is, as I mentioned, once data scientists had a model ready, they needed to build their own service. They needed to like write their own unit tests. They needed to like deploy that into production. And now they just take their model file, upload that to S3, copy paste their code into our repo. They already have their prediction code from training and they give an example for an input to the model and the expected output for the model, right? And then we'd run all of those tests in CI for you. And then once you merge that PR in, you have an endpoint available that you can call from app. We are in the process of starting the opening the service up to the public. So Ray solves a lot of that by itself. So how it works is you can specify the number of resources you require. Like you can specify number of CPU, memory that you need, all of that. If you don't specify that, it just resets to defaults. And then it uses Kubernetes. So what it does is based on like what resources you specify, it it would get a single Kubernetes node and then try to fit in as many models as possible. Those models would still be isolated. They would be running in their own environment. And then once that machine is full, it just creates another machine does the same thing. Yeah. So this event was open to everyone and not just R&D. And indeed, quite a few people outside of R&D did show up. So you both started to touch on this. Jason mentioned your talking points and, you know, Maya, candy and games are, are always a winner. But how did you approach making your presentation accessible to those who don't necessarily work in the same area or have the same technical background? I can start on this one. I think for us, it was really about like the framing of the feature. So we wanted the thing that we led with and and a lot of the focus on the board and the things that were interactive, the things that were going to be catching people's eyes. We wanted the focus to be on like, what is the problem that exists? How does this affect our customers? And what would be the ideal solution, right? If we just like closed our eyes and, and thought about an ideal world where this isn't a problem, what about it is solved and how? We then went from that into like, okay, well, here's the design. Here's the flow that we decided on. And then from there, we could get into the technical details. Like we use this package that's open source that, you know, means that we get accessibility updates for free. And that's awesome. And and talked about the way that we built it from a technical standpoint. And so the nice thing about doing it in that order, I think, is that you're kind of starting from like like a wider funnel where you're starting with the things that I think are easy for people to understand. 
and then getting more narrow. And so at any point, as you're starting to like go down that funnel, people can interject, right? And and start with questions about the things that they're particularly interested in. So for some people, I never got to the bottom of that funnel. We didn't really talk about the technical stuff because that was less relevant to the questions that they had in their mind and the things that they wanted to talk to us about. And that's fine, right? We still had an excellent conversation about the feature and what we built and things that they thought they had questions about and wanted to talk about. And for other people, I didn't even go through my whole spiel because like three sentences in, they're like, but I want to know what you did here in this technical thing. And so you kind of start, I think, with the with the more general stuff and then allow yourself to be flexible based off the person that you're talking to and, and where their interest reveals itself to lie. Yeah, we built our boards with kind of more themes and then use just kind of like our talking to get into the details. And so the themes allowed people to kind of understand things from a holistic standpoint. And if they didn't have a lot of knowledge, we just talked at a, at a high level. And then if they had more knowledge, we then dug into some of the details. So some people, we had a lot of people come to our table that were new to Clavio. I've never met before. It was more people that were new to me were the ones that came up. And it was really great because we had a lot of questions of like, why didn't we just use uh, open source component library? Why did we build our own? You know, what is the purpose of it? And so they really wanted to dig in deep and they could use the boards as a way to understand where we're at now, but they wanted to know how did we get there and, and where were we going as well? Yeah. And just to tack on to that, something I saw in both like Maya and Jason's boards and also like in the board that my team product merchandising had built was visuals, lots and lots of visuals. I think that was the main way that we were able to be able to like cast our net to people that were kind of walking around, kind of inspecting boards, seeing what they were understanding, what they weren't understanding. And once their eyes fixated on a visual, it became pretty easy to kind of like hook them and reel them into like a conversation or a presentation about what it is that we accomplished or what we were working on. So I think a lot of people were visual learners at this company. And when you can really explain something, explain a feature that you've built, explain the technical challenges involved in building something, and they're able to visualize what the end product for that looks like, it really helps with their understanding. Can I ask a question, even though I'm not the host here? I'm thinking, you know, visuals, if you're doing a PowerPoint, PowerPoints can have a lot of text. Like what visuals did you use? Any of you that really grabbed people? Like what worked for you? I think one visual that I found myself like gesturing to a lot, and I think a lot of people were like pointing at and being like, explain that was one where we had, and this is <laughs> it's a little bit silly, but it's one where we had taken every single modal error message, pop-up toast, like every single like little intrusive thing that would pop up as part of the publish flow. And we just like kind of put them all on top of each other. We're just like, look at all these things. And that was the one that people are like, customers see that? And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is what it was. Like, look at how chaotic this is. Look at how much is going on. And I'm like, does this feel like <laughs> understandable to you? Can you look at this and understand what's happening? And they're like, God, no. <laughs> and so I think, well, you know, we did leverage it a little bit. We intentionally made it mildly chaotic, I think, to demonstrate the point. But that was one where I think there was text you know, in that image, but the text was not what was important in that image, right? It was all of the different colors and all of the different boxes. And I think that was one that seemed to catch people's eye. I wasn't one of the ones who presented, but one that I remember seeing walking around that's really stuck in my mind. This was for an AI generated templates project that Charlie is working on. And I just remember kind of walking past this board and doing a double take, like, is that a picture of Crocs? And sure enough, it was like an email generated to talk about the selling points of these Crocs. So sometimes it's it's literally that simple. It's that silly. Oh, I will also say in one of our example forms, my team personally is really enamored with images of frogs sitting like people. I don't remember how that started, but it's been a thing for a while. And so in all of our example forms, we had frogs sitting like people. And I think a couple of people did call that out. They're like, is that is that a a frog? <laughs> and we're like, it is. He's very important. Uh, <laughs> so that one's maybe a little bit less relevant to the cause, but just if you, what you said about Crocs, Michael, kind of reminded me of that. I really missed out big time on your presentation. I want to, I want to see these frogs. <laughs> but can, can confirm that Charlie's poster had a, had a lot going on. It was very exciting. Okay, we are back with Michael for an update on how this event is going. Michael, what do you have for us? 
All right, so I finally ripped the Band-Aid off, went to a presentation that was entirely a poster board, and it went better than I had any right to expect. Charlie was the one doing that. I was like, hey, could you use my laptop and kind of point him to the presentation? I was expecting him to like set it down on the table or something. He had that thing held up. He was like holding it right up to the poster board. Like, look at this picture of Crocs. <laughs> it was incredible. You know, I watched that. That was that was impressive, both skill and dedication to making sure that people on Zoom saw that. Like he was like panning over the images. It was an academic and acrobatic presentation. <laughs> we appreciate Charlie very much for this. Cool. Well, uh, otherwise, how has this event been going for you? Great. There have been so many more people than I expected. Yeah. As, as someone organizing an event like this, my worry is always 10 people are going to show up. I've seen like hundreds of people circulating through so far. I'm, I'm just happy that this many people are getting to see the cool work that our engineering teams are doing. Yeah. And people have been really excited. Like people have been having a really great time. They're really engaged with all the presentations. It's been really, it's been really great to see. Yeah. So this event had honestly quite the crowd. We really filled up the atrium. What was it like presenting your work to a crowd? There were a lot of people that attended, but at your table at any one point, it was like presenting to a more intimate like group of two or three people. So I think it was really approachable for people that were not typically used to presenting to large audiences. You know, our atrium is this large area with multiple tiered steps. It's like a stadium going up. If you were to stand in front of there and present to everyone sitting, it would be pretty intimidating, but this made it much more intimate setting and just would have a rotating group of people, some that only wanted to glance and other people that really wanted to dig in. Yeah, I will definitely say that getting to kind of like getting to like pull people out of the group. Like I, I remember like waving, like shaking the bag of candy, being like, come, come try, <laughs> come try our game and like gesturing people over and then, you know, giving them the spiel. I think that that made it a little bit more, it, it just made you be able to like tailor your presentation to people in a way that you can't when you're presenting to a large group, which I personally really enjoy. I've always been a talker. I love talking. I can run my mouth for ages. But I think there's just something different about talking to one or two or three people, getting to to see what interests them and, and speak more to that or answer their questions and have it almost be more of a discussion than a presentation that I really, really enjoyed about the science fair and which I don't get to experience as much when I'm presenting my work, say, like in a demo meeting or at a roadmaps meeting where it's a little bit more formalized and it feels more like, okay, I'm going to give my presentation and there will be a structured Q&A. And there's something about just like the fluidity of the conversation that you get in a science fair that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I really need to drink a lot of water. I was yeah, really parched after just like a couple of like presentations. And one thing I noticed myself doing was, you know, at the start, you give like a quick 30 second elevator pitch slash summary of like what you've been doing. And the first, you know, summary that I gave, I was like, Ooh, I didn't really like how I explained this part of this project. And then I iterated on that. So for the next part, the next summary I gave, I was able to make that a little more concise and then, you know, you figure out what you like and you didn't like about that summary and then you keep iterating on it. It's almost like speed dating where you get to continually improve on how you're explaining a project and keep making it more concise. And I feel like that's like a really valuable presentation skill that you don't get from just giving a one-off presentation. The fact that you get to keep iterating on it with like multiple different audiences, I think makes you a more well-rounded presenter. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah. I always joke that I never got my Clavio pitch down until I represented us at a career fair because, you know, the first time you give the pitch and you're just like, oh God, <laughs> that wasn't great. And by hour five, you're like, you've just got it. <laughs> so now after, after talking about form alerts for a couple hours, I feel like I'm very well equipped to tell people about this feature. <laughs> it's, a, it's a type of practice that you don't often get to do. I have to give a quick apology for throwing a wrench into some of that. And I, I was I was walking around kind of with a laptop to represent the remote crowd so that we could kind of get these presentations presented to people who weren't able to be there the day of as well. And I know it was definitely a different style when you're kind of, all right, I need to talk to the microphone on the laptop, but I also need to hold the laptop so that it can, like the camera catches the poster board behind me. 
I know that that was a whole complication that to add in there as well. Yeah, but I think it was worth it to try and include people that couldn't be there in person, right? Like this is part of the challenge of of being a hybrid workplace is that you want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to be involved. And I think we managed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we had like a larger number of people watching online than I expected, honestly, throughout pretty much the entire day and got a lot of questions like, you know, there were questions throughout and definitely got some kudos afterwards. And people were very, very thankful for presenters for kind of going through that so that they could actually learn about the features, too. So throughout the course of this event, y'all talked to a lot of people about your projects. Did you have a favorite question that you got asked by someone in the audience? Or to Maya's point, did you have kind of a favorite discussion or conversation? I don't think that I have a favorite, but I think one that stuck in my mind was the conversation I had with Alan, who's the CTO at Clavio. And, and uh, he was, you know, just kind of wandering around. He came over and asked about the project. And I think what may be stuck in my mind about it is that like, I, you know, as I was talking to the feature and I started to talk about the future of this, right. And like where me and the rest of my team thought that this could go, right. And started talking about like incorporating this into other areas like Clavio and how we, we took extra time to build it generically so that that will be easier for other teams if they want to do it. And talking about like incorporating intelligence and suggestions into it and how this enables that in a way that nothing has ever really before in the forums area or really in the editor's area in general. And talking about all those things and getting excited about that and then having him be like, yeah, this is great. And have you thought about that? And like engaging me in those conversations of future things. It's one thing to be able to talk about the future with the people on my team who I think have like lived and breathed the things that we work on for a while. But it's another thing to A, get to talk to somebody who's higher up in the, in the in the chain of Clavios and have them be, I think, as excited about the future as I was and, and be also for them to like, to validate me and my team on our ideas and be like, yeah, I do think that's good. If you haven't talked to this team or if you haven't talked to editors, like that's excellent. Actually, shout out to Christina Dedrick as well, who literally came up and as I was saying that and was like, I have someone I want you to talk to and then slacked me the name of the person and was like, this is going to be a really good person for you to connect with if and when you start building that. So that was awesome too. So yeah, just like really getting to like talk to people that I think do have influence over the direction that Clavio moves and having them validate ideas for the future that me and my team had, it, it felt great. I got a lot of questions around one piece of our board that I kind of threw in as a filler, like I had a gap in the board and I was like, what can I put there? And I was like, oh, I'll put the different layers of a design system, you know, from foundations to components to feature components to patterns to templates and how as you go up, the flexibility is less, but the efficiency is more because you can just kind of grab and put it in. And as you get more towards the atomic elements, like a button or a checkbox, you have more flexibility, but it takes more time to assemble those. And I thought it it was just kind of a given that people know about that and kind of like thinking that way. And I had more questions about that than I had about anything else. I didn't even plan on talking about it much. So that was a, a real interesting uh, piece. Audrey, did you have anything particular? I'll probably echo what Maya said and didn't really have a favorite question, but definitely had a lot of a lot of fun discussions specifically about what our project was, which was surfacing discount prices in emails. Yeah, it's tough for me to remember them, though. Apologies. <laughs> no worries. So I'd like to wrap up with a few questions to everyone. First off, did you have a favorite moment of the science fair overall? I, I can say it from, I mean, because I wasn't presenting and I didn't have to prep anything. Just standing, I remember watching everybody filing in and getting ready. But then coming back an hour later when it was in full swing and just watching and feeling the full environment of it, it was incredible. Yeah, I feel like for me, it was probably the moments where people were playing our game and like got frustrated because that a it felt like people were engaged, right? Like you don't you don't get frustrated with something if you don't care about it. And so on the one hand, I was just like, wow, people are really into this. And on the other hand, it was so great because I was just like, yes, like you you understand, like this is the problem that we're trying to solve. And I just remember being so giddy about it, like having done exactly, it, it really felt like the moment that the, the plan came together. And I was just like, yes, that's teamwork, baby. We did this. <laughs> Yeah, I think just 
the energy just was great. You know, like all these people showed up. It's one of those things. It's like, Hey, you know, having an open house or something is like someone gets to show up to want to buy my house. When you have a huge crowd, the excitement gets there. It's kind of like that. And uh, we also created some like branded swag for the design system and people were super excited about that too. And, and so we're like, now we're on people's laptops, you know, <laughs> and wherever else they stick the stickers and, and things. So. My favorite part of it was just seeing, you know, the sheer creativity that people had. I mean, it's evidenced in, in the presenters we have in this podcast alone, but going through at least initially when everyone was setting up, because unfortunately I didn't have as much time during the event to circle around, but initially when everyone was setting up and I got to see what fun ideas, what cool designs, what funny memes people had come up with on their poster boards, I was, I was super proud of the work that the presenters had put in definitely surpassed any expectations I had of the quality of the presentations for sure. Yeah, agreed on that. And I don't think this is my single favorite moment, but it is one of my favorite moments from this process. It actually comes from before the science fair. It comes during kind of the the sign-up process of all things, kind of just when we were gauging teams' interest. One of the first responses we got to that forum came from the chaos team. And we kind of had like a as you do in forms like this, we had a section where we just kind of say anything else you want to tell us, any other recommendations? And they said, make sure we have room to move. We're an active group and we will have accessories. And I was like, this is the energy I want all of the teams to have. This is amazing. And they did. <laughs> they all brought it. We are here with Christina. Tell us how your experience has been at this event so far. That's no, been really awesome. There's been a lot of different work being shown. Whenever I see a graph, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to go talk to this person because there is a graph in front of me and I want to be explained what I am supposed to see in the graph. And there's been a few presentations with graphs in them, which has been very exciting for someone who's obsessed with numbers. Do you have a favorite graph that you have seen so far? My favorite graph is one by David on one of the data science teams. And he was working on an email churn model. And... They were using the traffic cone as inspiration, or not traffic cone, traffic light as inspiration for how they're addressing customer issues with CSMs. And so they were using intuitive colors like green for low risk, yellow for medium risk, and red for high risk. And what was really cool about David's graphs is that he used that same color coding on the graph to further emphasize this score is associated with the green graph, and it's in green, and this is with the yellow, which is in yellow, and red, which is in red, which is cool to see. Little touches like that are fun. Anomalies also had a ton of graphs. You know, I have not talked to Anomalies yet. They're over there. If Lilia's there, she is the main expert on graphs. Um, rumor has it she may have seen as many as 8,000 graphs in developing some of the Anomalies features. I remember talking to her about that, actually, yes. <laughs> I've heard those rumors. So another question to the whole group. Do you feel like you learned anything from participating in the science fair? Yeah, outside of obviously learning about what the other teams were up to, what their projects were, I feel like I learned a lot about, I'll approach this from like an engineering standpoint. I feel like I have the tendency to kind of focus and hone in on the technical aspects of a project and kind of immerse myself in like the engineering side of it. And one cool learning experience from this event was being able to like kind of take a step back and actually reflect on the impact that your project has had in the general Clavio application and what most people actually end up seeing as the result of your work. It's not the technical challenges. It's not the like funky little button that you're able to style the exact way that you wanted to. It's the outcome of it. It's like the holistic product that you've delivered. I think this was like very cool reflection on the undertaking of a project. And that was a learning experience for me. I think mine, because I'm a little bit of the outlier here working in the administrative function will be a little bit different. But I mean, I learned a lot, certainly from the presentations, you know, I'm not I support R&D, but I don't do the work. So it was great to understand it. But I think for me as an executive business partner, there's always a lot of fear in planning an event and that has your name attached to it because you are associated with the success or failure. But this 
event really taught me to trust my peers. Like Clavio, I've been able to do that since stepping in here and that's been wonderful. But this is the most I've ever stepped back and said, yeah, I trust you. You know what you're doing. Just run with it and I'll get you the okays that you need. And what do you need from me? And so that was in a week where it was just event after event for me. It was such a a lightened load and taught me that I can do that. So it was super valuable for me. I think I learned that I need to find more opportunities to have casual conversations with people because I learned a lot from the questions that were being asked. And I think they learned a lot by not having, as we kind of mentioned before, like structured presentations. We have a little too many of those and and like finding other ways, not just office hours, but just maybe having a topic once a month that we talk about for this area and people can just join and just have a casual conversation about it, I think would be beneficial to the culture. Yeah, I think I I agree really strongly with what Jason said. Getting like a really prescient reminder of a really strong reminder of the fact that like having opportunities for less structured presentation and, and something that felt more like discussion, it ends up teaching more other people end up learning more about the things that I've made and I end up learning more about what other people have made. And additionally, I feel like I also learn more about what people want to know about the things that I made. And additionally, I think it was a good reminder to me that there's something really special about getting to have those kinds of discussions with people in person. I work hybrid a lot of the time and pride myself on like being able to do my job just as well from home as in, as in the office. But also getting to really be there and feel the energy in the room and hear like just the amount of conversations happening in that room at the same time, I think is something that I was grateful I was able to like be there for. Yeah. Along similar lines, I don't know if mine's a learning exactly. It's it's probably something that we all already know, but it was just a good reminder of the power of just putting smart people in a room together and not telling them what to do too much. I think uh, exactly along the lines that, that Jason and Maya, you went over, that's It was constantly surprising to me just like how many interesting discussions I was hearing a snippet of as I walked past the table or the anecdotes I've heard since then on like, oh, these people kind of met at the science fair, talked about a thing and like that's a collaboration that might be in the works soon. All of that, it's just a good reminder that yes, we plan events like this and part of the reason is to have fun, but genuinely just putting smart people in a room together and kind of saying like, all right, go do your thing can lead to some really, really interesting outputs in general. David, welcome. Hey, Zach. How's it going? I'm good. Thanks for asking. David, I think it's been a while since you've been on. Could you remind us who you are and what you do here at Clavio? Yeah, I'm David. I'm a data scientist here at Clavio, and I work on the Chaos data science core team, helping other internal teams to be more efficient. Cool. Well, thank you for that. And David, how have you been enjoying the event so far today? Oh, it's been phenomenal. I've learned so much by seeing the presentations of my coworkers, really fun to interact with them. And I got a lot of great questions on the work I presented. Could you tell us a little bit about the work that you presented and some of those great questions that you got? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So I presented on the account health initiative that my team is taking on. And this is an initiative, an internal initiative to help our customer success and support teams identify opportunities with existing customers and flag customers that are high risk so that they can act and help them to make the best use of Clavio as possible. And I got some really, really great questions asking about the rollout of this, what this looks like from the CSM's perspective, and how we're thinking about this as a company to ensure smooth structure. So finally, as always, let's close with some practical advice. Let's say that some of our listeners get inspired and decide to do something similar to the Clavio R&D Science Fair in their own workplace or department or club or whatever. You all contributed in your own ways to making this a really awesome event. What advice do you have for someone who's in the same position that you were in? Go all in on the art supplies. Do more than you think you need because people will use them. I'm talking 3D sticky letters, all of it. (laughs) Buy it. It's worth it. Yeah, I would say like, don't be afraid to think outside the box. When one of my teammates suggested the game idea, I was just like, oh, that feels a little much. And I was so happy we did it. I was so happy we did it. Yeah, kind of going off what Jess said, be extra. You know, it's it's only going to benefit everybody. 
I think in my shoes, one of the big things that I take away is trust the quality of what you're putting together. I didn't know how many people were going to show up to this, but we had taken the right steps to get people to know about the event and have the awareness. And at a certain point, don't stress about things like that. Do the correct prep work. But at a certain point, just trust that you've put a good event together. For me, it was communication. This is my first time being part of organizing an event at Clavio and communication. And in my opinion, there was no such thing as over communication, ensuring everyone was in the loop. People were being filled in. Presenters knew what to do. Sometimes repeating yourself is is the best thing that you can do to make sure everyone is on the same page. And that was something valuable that I learned. You know, I wasn't being annoying by asking people to like upload their posters or slides to a folder. I was just trying to make sure everybody was in the loop and everyone knew what was going on. So that was a valuable takeaway for me. I think from a presenter standpoint, it's less about having something like super, super amazing to present. And it's just about having a topic that you're comfortable to talk about. And the conversation will go its own way. For presenters, don't worry about if you have enough to share or if you're going to have the most awesome graphics. It's just, it's really about like, do you have interesting things to say? And, you know, the conversation will make its own path in terms And that is the end of the time we have for the episode this month. This episode, as all episodes of the Clavio Data Science Podcast are, was sponsored by Clavio. If you're interested to know more about Clavio, Clavio's intelligent marketing automation platform makes it easy for marketers to centralize and use every piece of their customer data to deliver hyper-personalized experiences across all their channels, increasing conversions and revenue. If you want to know more, you can check out Clavio.com. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. If you liked what you heard on this episode of the Clavio Data Science Podcast, if you'd like to hear more, then I have good news for you. This is episode 39 of the podcast. There are 38 other episodes. If you want to hear more in the future as they come out, a great way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast. You should be able to do that just about anywhere you listen to this. If you're interested in helping other people hear content like this, then I'm going to recommend three things. One is leave us a review. One is give us a rating a thumbs up or a star rating or whatever it is, depending on exactly the platform you're listening to this in. And then the third and the most important is if you know someone who you think would be interested in hearing this episode, go ahead and share it directly to them. That's the most effective way to share the Clavia Data Science Podcast is just go ahead and share it directly. In addition, if you have any questions, the best person to contact is me. The best place to reach me is my Twitter account. That's Lawson underscore M underscore T, L-A-W-S-O-N underscore M underscore T. Thank you for listening. Have a great month.